Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. All right, guys, this is another episode of the Focus Hunting Podcast. This is episode number, ooh, number are we on here? 30, 32. Wow. It's funny how when you're listening to podcasts, you always uh, laugh at guys who can't remember what episode they're on, and uh, here I'm doing the same thing. Anyway, today I'm joined by Mike Slinkard, founder of Hex. Um, Mike shares some of his hunts with us, and he tells us all about the Hex technology. You guys should go over to the Hex website, check them out, see what they're all about. They can be found at hexllc.com. That's H-E-C-S-L-L-C.com. When you're there, if you guys are going to pick something up, make sure you use the promo code HEXTECH, and you're going to get a little discount on your order. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, those promo codes are awesome. I love those uh, Love those promo codes. I got another one here for you guys. Uh, when you're at the Backroads Maps book webpage, make sure you use the promo code FOCUS. You're going to get another 10% off your order. Um, that's a good one as well. Be sure to check them out. What else we got? Focus Hunting website. When you guys are there, make sure you use the promo code PODCAST and uh, and you're going to get 25% off your order. So uh, yeah, good stuff. Anyway, that's all I got here for today for deals for you guys. So uh, let's just get rolling with this episode. This sucks. There, Kevin. How you doing, Mike? Good. Good. How are you today? Good. Good. I'm uh, down at my folks' house here for the long weekend here up in Canada, so it's nice. All right. Cool. Cool. What part of Canada are you in again? British Columbia, Kelowna, oh, okay. down to the nice. southern, southeastern end of British Columbia there. Not quite the Kootenays, but uh, red, not far from the border. Oh, okay, cool. The, the warm part. Yeah, yeah. Is there a warm part of Canada? I didn't know that. I've been to Canada every time. It's always cold as hell up there. <laughs> I bet. Where are, we, uh, where are we catching up with you today? Um, I'm in eastern Oregon. Oh, yeah. Not to be confused with western Oregon. <laughs> How long have you been out there? Uh, pretty much forever. I've lived here. Gosh, I went to school here and everything. So I'm born and raised pretty much right here. So yeah. How's the weather down there? Beautiful today. That's about 65 degrees and sunny and yeah, for, uh, nice. for spring, it's pretty nice. Probably snow tomorrow. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty typical. Well, we had a big snowstorm like three or four days ago that came through, but, uh, yeah, I was actually at a trade show in Portland last, last weekend and, we had all kinds of snow coming back. It was a crazy drive, but so we're we're all the way on the eastern part of the state, almost the Idaho border. 
Oh yeah. Gotcha. You got uh, turkey season down there or is there a turkey season in Oregon? Uh, 15th of April it starts here. So yeah, it's getting, getting close. Yeah. That's the same, uh, same day ours starts up here. So, um, okay. Gonna try to get out and do a bit of scouting and yeah, well, it should be, it's that time of year. They should be good. So you guys got quite a few turkeys there in Southern BC. Um, not a lot. Uh, they're mountain turkeys too. So they're a lot of work. They're not a lot yeah. of fun. They're fun when you get them, but they're not a lot of yeah. fun to find them. Locating that's, is, the, is the real trick. That's, uh, yeah, no, that's how it used to be here. We actually have turkeys everywhere now, but used to be that was the case here too. If you found some, you better not tell anybody because, uh, you know, they were kind of a closely held secret at that point. But. Yeah. Luckily up here, not a lot of guys like to hunt them, but I think not a lot of guys like to hunt them just because they're so difficult to hunt. So, yeah. Yeah, they are there. Well, I mean, the hardest thing about turkeys, even when, even if you have a lot of them is getting them to do what they're supposed to do, you know, getting them to come to the call and a decoy and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's can be the most frustrating kind of hunt ever. And you guys bow hunt them down there. Yeah. I've only bow hunted them. Um, except for last year, I actually shot uh, two birds with a shotgun last year. Cause I had rotator cuff surgery and I couldn't draw my bow. So, um, so I shot a couple with a shotgun, actually one of them wearing an orange vest, just to, kind of prove a point with hacks um and we don't use blinds or anything like that that's the biggest thing with turkeys and hacks is that you can actually get away with movement it's pretty crazy what you can actually get away with so so you're hunting turkeys with an orange vest like you're yeah. wearing an orange vest are you in a blind mm -hmm. no no sitting out in the open actually that video is <laughs> on our youtube page right now so okay hold on a sec you're sitting out in the open like mm -hmm. like just out in the open and not in behind the bush yeah. with a bright orange just, just sitting on on a chair um actually like i said it's on our youtube page um but uh yeah so with hex that's one of the biggest things so birds see electrical fields visually and that's actually pretty well known from what they know about how birds navigate but um yeah so you block the electrical field and any movement that you do uh, within reason is not seen by a turkey as living movement so they they don't pay attention to it and guess what they don't pay attention to color either so, <laughs> so that's uh that probably upset a few uh turkey hunters because i know they're pretty religious when it comes to camo and what you can wear and stuff yeah no it, it is folks but, down there when you when you understand how how birds actually see and, and all animals pick up on it and that's uh, you know that's where hex comes from but when you understand how birds actually see that electrical feels what's 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 um you know actually giving them away more than anything else honestly it really really is you take the electrical field away and like, like i said i've killed probably 40 or maybe a few more more than that turkeys with a bow we don't hunt a blind ever we just set out and i mean you can draw on them every time all day long you know, every species doesn't matter. So these, and you've only shot out of those, out of that many birds, you've only shot one with a shotgun? Two, two. or two with a shotgun? Two with a shotgun last year because I couldn't draw my bow and that's the only reason. So, yeah. What's your archery setup for like a turkey hunt? Like your poundage and like, what's your arrow setup? Uh, yeah, I just I shoot like the that. same, same bow I hunt with all the time. It's 70 pounds. Um, yeah, I do use a big expandable um, when I'm shooting turkeys. Just oh, yeah. try to cut as big a hole as you can. Cause I mean, that's the one thing about turkeys and bow hunting, you have to hit them right. And, and they're tough if you don't. So, you know, so that's one of the big things is, is, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as getting a shot and, and all that, I mean, I, I'm not at any disadvantage with my bow over a shotgun. I'm really not other than just, you know, making sure that you get him to the right spot. But, yeah. Uh, You've been shooting for a long time though. 
Yeah, life. I actually shop. I shop professionally for eight or nine years back in the early 2000s, late 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. So yeah, I've been shooting forever. So. Yeah. What about uh, so you got? Do you have a turkey hunt plan for the season? Um, you know, I've, I'm actually going up to Alaska to hunt brown bear in May. Oh, so nice. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just doing, uh, the local stuff. We can shoot three birds a piece here locally. So, you know, I've got myself, my daughter, Caitlin, her, uh, future husband, and then another buddy of mine. So we'll, we'll get plenty of footage here locally. So we not really plan on traveling this year. Yeah. Well, that grizzly hunt's pretty exciting. Is that the first time hunting grizzly? Or brown bear, it is. or we're, we're about to be hunting. I guess it all depends where about you're hunting. If it's a grizzly, or brown. yeah, it's out, it's it's brown bear. It's out on the peninsula on on the very southern part of the southern side of the Alaskan Peninsula. It's where the big ones are. So, oh yeah, Kodiak are the biggest bears in the world. So, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That that's up by Kodiak. Yeah, that's not uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's uh, right neighboring us. Cool. Yeah, 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 for sure. Is this so. is this uh, yeah, that's going to be a fun. Now you're bow hunting, grizzly? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't shot anything with a rifle as far as big game goes since 1996. Um, it's nothing. I'm not an anti-rifle guy. I just It just doesn't do nothing for me. So I shoot everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. If you can do it. Absolutely. It's not mm-hmm. easy. But that grizzly hunt's going to be pretty cool. That's pretty. That's a pretty intense archery hunt. Yeah, it'd be a high pressure shot. It'd be the highest pressure shot I've shot in a while. <laughs> yeah. So what's your, what's like your preferred shot distance or, or i guess what's your what would be like your max shot distance for a for a you grizzly know, bear? I, I really don't want to shoot anything past 50 to be 50 honest with you i'm 100 percent confident at anything 50 and under. i'm confident you know i practice a lot at 80 and even at 100 just to practice but i don't want to shoot bear that far you know yeah. i think i want to shoot anything 50 or under i feel pretty good about um to be honest with you i'd almost rather shoot one at about 30 than i would at you know, 20 or 10 to be honest with you, just because of what they are. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, there's, there's a point where you're comfortable and then there's a point where you're just a little too close when you're, when you're around grizzly bears. For sure. Yeah. Cause they're, they're unpredictable and they move pretty quick. So, uh, and I, yeah. I don't move pretty quick. It's not anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's going to be fun. What kind of, uh, what kind of arrow setup you got for that? Like are you using a, a heavier broadhead for that? Um, no, I actually, I'm going to use the same thing that I use for elk and moose and, and everything. My, my I shoot uh, Victor arrows, uh, they weigh right at 450 grains. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to shoot, uh, I, I use the shuttle T head and I have forever. Um, they cut a big hole, they penetrate well. I mean, I've already, I've killed, you know, I've killed three moose with that setup. I've killed Elon in Africa. Um, you know, I've killed lots of big stuff with it. So I'm pretty confident. I, I don't want to change a lot. I played with some heavy arrows, but I really don't gain enough kinetic energy, honestly, to justify the velocity that I, that I lose. So, right. you know, so it's, uh, yeah. So I, I'm not going to change a whole lot up. I'm just going to use what's always worked and let's go with that. Yeah. That's a cool hunt though. I wish, I wish we were still allowed to hunt grizzly bear up here. We, we had, you had to put in for an LEH draw up here for grizzly bear, but no, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you're not allowed to hunt them at all, which is a bummer, but I never got an LEH draw ever, but man, I wish I would have now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sad what they're, what they're doing with that. Honestly, it's because I mean, this is not like, it's just like everything else. They need to be managed like everything else. So. Oh yeah. Just, definitely. Uh, too many, uh, too many, you know, emotions involved around bears for some reason yeah well all predators in that matter like cougars and mm-hmm. it's just insane and there's so many of them up here especially in bc 
Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I've hunted BC a couple of times. I was up there a couple of years ago hunting moose. Oh, and nice. actually had we had more we had more uh, more grizzly encounters than we did moose encounters up there. So yeah, which part of the <laughs> province were you in the northern um, part? Yeah, uh, about uh, three quarters of the way up. Um, gosh, Watson Lake. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You bet. Watson yep. Lake. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, well, yeah, that's it. Yeah, we were um, actually took off there. I can't remember the name of the little town that was up there, but you know, we took a float plane out of there and then went into some lakes that were way back. Um, you know, a yeah. long ways in anyway. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, yeah, cool. Yeah, no, that's some pretty. BC's got some pretty, uh, pretty neat topography. It's got yeah, it's got everything up there. It's I love it up there. I really yeah. do. Is it, have you uh, hunted anywhere else up here in Canada? Uh, Saskatchewan a couple of times. Um, I actually shot a Canadian moose in Saskatchewan. I uh, shot a couple of bears over there too. So, oh, yeah. so yeah, that's pretty much my Canadian experience. Well, I, you know, we were in the, in the territories after caribou once too. So, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah that's what, uh, a few times. that's one of my hunts this year is a caribou hunt up North. So mm-hmm. cool. yeah, I'd like to do it again. When we went, the, the herd hadn't moved down yet. So they were way, you know, they're about a hundred miles away when I ended up shooting one, the only one I saw and he wasn't very big, but you know what? He's the only one I saw. So I got to take one home. Nobody else did. So. Yeah. That's cool, man. You've had a pretty uh, successful hunting career. When we were talking there uh, through emails, you're telling me how many elk you've harvested and you've, you've killed more elk than mm-hmm. I've had uh, than I've been around years on this earth. So. <laughs> yeah 46 this year with a bow so yeah For, those are all with a bow mm-hmm. yeah all the bow yeah wow when did yeah. you kill your first bull oh gosh i was probably a probably a sophomore in high school so wow gosh that's a long time ago about 1981 that would have been so yep yeah so. That's cool. So yeah, I've, it's you know we have a lot of elk here locally. So I you know I grew up hunting them, and it's it's my thing. I mean I, you know I've hunted them in you know, gosh Arizona, uh, New Mexico, um, a lot in Idaho, uh, Montana. You know I've hunted them. You know, all over. That's that's my that's my go-to species. I like elk and stuff better than about anything there is. Yeah, I love chasing elk too. Forty-six elk is a lot of elk. What uh, do you have any of those hunts that that really stand out to you? Like probably your first one, I imagine, is is tough to beat. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the first one just because it was so novel. You know, back then in the eighties, nobody was doing it much, so it was especially for to have a kid do it was pretty novel. But um, gosh, you know, I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, the, I took a really nice bull in in twenty nineteen. Um, and actually it was number 45 and, and I'm a big Donald Trump fan. So I called him Trump and he's a, you know, he's a 360 class bull. And then uh, in Arizona, I shot a 370 bull in Arizona in 2017. Uh, that was, that was a pretty memorable hunt. Um, uh, probably the most one that, that is one of my better ones. I, I shot a 363 bull here in Oregon a few years ago that I didn't even get on film, but the, you know, I actually, it was kind of a crazy deal. I, I, I shot him and actually broke his shoulder completely with a bow, believe it or not. Broke his shoulder, but it didn't get all the way into the chest cavity. So I ended up uh, leaving him that night, found him that, you know, actually two days later, still alive. Um, I actually had a game camera picture of him on this water that, uh, you know, I don't know if I really want to tell that whole story, but it's a cool story if we're not, if we're not recording. Because, um, you know, I said, I, I hit him. I actually ended up 
having a dream in the middle of the night, believe it or not, that, um, that he was on this water. And of course I talked myself out of it by the time I got up there. And anyway, I walked all the way into where this water was and sure enough, he was there. And I had one picture of him and it happened to be at two o'clock in the morning when I woke up, that happened to be the, the, the two o'clock in the morning when I woke up the night before. So kind of a r- weird sort of a deal there. Um, oh, dope. He actually cool. was there. Yeah. So Anyway, but that one was memorable just because of uh, of the circumstance and all the things that came together, and you know, and he was a giant bull, six by seven bull. So. You know, yeah, that's one thing. I mean, I'll, I'll never shoot forty six elk, but I don't think you can ever get tired of, of hunting them. No, you can't. I mean, there's nothing like. I mean, I've called them in, I've shot them over water, you know, everything. But that it's it's hard to beat calling them. We call them is kind of the, kind of what uh, keeps me going, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You said you've been to uh, South Africa too. What's that like? I got two places. That's South Africa and New Zealand. Those are kind of like my mm-hmm. my bucket list places to hunt. Um, yeah, I've actually been to both. So I've been really? to South Africa three times, um, and that's after. There's no place like Africa. I mean, it's you'll never if you go once. You, you know, there's always everybody says, "Man, I just like to go once." Well, nobody just likes to go once once they've been there. Um, you know, I mean, you got to pick your spots. It's some, some of the places are pretty canned, but if you get a, you know, a place that's got a big area and they're actually hunting, you know, fair chase and all that, it's, it's, it can't be beat. Then uh, New Zealand's, it's cool too. The, the, you know, roaring stags are amazing as well. They just never shut up if you go during the roar. So if you're, if you're an elk hunter, it's like, you know, more noise than elk make by about 20. <laughs> so. Yeah. They're cool. They're almost intimidating help with that roar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, they are. No, they're cool. So now I've been fortunate. I've got to chase around quite a bit and shoot quite a few arrows of things. So that's, yeah, that's good, man. No complaints. Yeah. So Mike, I think we kind of got, uh, kind of got rolling down a a tangent (laughs) there, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you can just, uh, let some of the Canadians listening up here, you know, the, the people who are wondering, you know, who the heck I'm talking to here. Um, maybe you could just uh, tell a bit about yourself. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've, I've been a lifelong bow hunter and I've also been fortunate enough to be in the outdoor industry for, you know, what, 26 years now. Um, I actually started Winner's Choice Bowstrings back in, in uh, 2000. And uh, we grew that company to, you know, one of the largest string manufacturers in the world and ended up uh, selling that to Elite Archery in, in uh, 2012. So, um, so that's, that's one of my, one of my backgrounds. And of course, you know, I actually shot uh, professional archery before that, um, for quite a few years, um, just enough to, to be dangerous. I didn't really win a lot of world championships or anything, but I was always pretty competitive and, um, I competed on the great outdoor games for ESPN, uh, all the years that they had that, uh, which was absolutely addicting. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I've done a lot of things. And then of course I've always been kind of a, kind of a science geek and, and that, and, you know, always interested in why things are the way they are. And, you know, that's what kind of caused us to, to, uh, you know, go down the hex path and, and, uh, understand how electrical fields are being, uh, used by all kinds of animals. Um, and figured out that if you block them, they make a big difference. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, in a nutshell, that's sort of my background. Yeah. Um, 
winner's choice bowstrings my cousin was telling me about this and this was before i was into archery he just said that kind of just changed everything as soon as it came out what was the deal with the winner's choice bowstrings um you know back when i was competing you know 3d archery we did field archery indoor you name it we you know if you could shoot an arrow at it i was competing at it um but back in the day um you know whoever could keep up with their stretching bowstrings and, and bus cables was usually the guy who won and so uh, at the time, I had another guy working with me, and, and we actually developed a, a way to basically take the stretch out of a out of a bowstring when you're building mm-hmm. it. At the time, that wasn't even thought of, and uh, so we we launched that, and and uh, like I said, made quite a name for ourselves. We could we were the first string company that ever could guarantee no creep, which is actually the technical term for you know the elongation of a string or a cable um and then also no serving separation which is a big thing with uh with bows is the serving the wrapping that goes around the strings would separate and of course that's what protects the string from from abrasion um then uh, you know the peep side that you put in the string uh we didn't have to use any people liners or anything because we could guarantee them coming back straight every time so it was pretty pretty giant leap actually at yeah. the time um everybody takes it for granted now well that's what i was gonna say yeah all this stuff that. is yeah when i was talking to him all this stuff that he talks about him like that was before i started shooting got into archery and when i got into it all this stuff was already out so you just start with that and it's kind of uh you know you just take it for granted like you said yeah that's pretty neat but he, he talks yeah, about it yeah. uh he was telling me about it and he said yeah that's uh uh because when i mentioned uh i was doing a show with you and then he mentioned um the, the bowstrings and he said yeah mm-hmm. that uh, was like a major leap in um because he said before same thing they're they're always messing around with their strings and have always string. yeah yeah and so he said that was yeah no, it, it, those things yeah if they just move a little bit your point of impact changes dramatically so um you know we we've got it to where you know you could set them and leave them and so you know when you sighted your bow and you have everything working it would stay that way for you know i mean the whole season or sometimes two or three seasons so um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of a fun, fun little, uh, jaunt into the outdoor industry and, and, you know, the cool things I got to meet a lot of people in the industry and, and really good friends of, you know, people that, that are, you know, very influential in Pete Shapley's one is a good friend of mine. And of course I shoot PSE and have forever and ever. And so, uh, you know, guys like that, Will Primos, I know Will very well. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a, pretty small little circle when you're actually in it and it's uh it's a lot of fun yeah yeah i've never shot a psc but i mean i see all you guys shooting them and, and dudley shooting them so they got to be good mm-hmm. for sure so you must yeah, have seen well, a lot of changes in the archery industry um pretty your... much all of them yeah. <laughs> pretty much all of them. i mean i'm i i started shooting i don't remember learning how to shoot a bow because i was so young my dad got me into it i, I honestly don't remember learning how to shoot a bow or a gun uh, my dad got me into all that stuff and, and it's uh um so i mean that i was born in 65 so by 1970 i was shooting arrows for sure and uh you know it just kind of goes goes there so i mean i pretty much got to see at least some of just about all modern archery to be honest with you i mean i actually shot a, a tournament one time with uh with tom jennings um never was fortunate enough to meet fred bear but, but you know, he was still kicking around in a lot of the places I was at saying, you know, I just never got to meet him. I wish I would have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I basically from certainly from compound bows forward, I've seen and kind of lived through it all. So, yeah. 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 Kind you of, said you had a cool time. Yeah. You said your dad got into it. I, it must have, like, you think back what, uh, 
what their generation used for bows it's, and the, and the mm-hmm. stuff they did is pretty impressive. Yeah, no, they started with three curves and, you know, building your own arrows and, you know, I mean, not necessarily, you know, like, like you know, going out and finding your own shaft material and that kind of thing. But, but uh, you know, at the time, I mean, I mean, I've never known my dad to buy a pre-made arrow and I that certainly haven't myself either. I've built everything myself even this day, but, but back then it was a necessity, you know, and so uh, just the the amount of equipment and, and options back then wasn't very much, you know, you're shooting a recurve bow of one of about three or four brands. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys were shooting, still shooting cedar arrows. I can remember when fiberglass arrows came in and, and then finally aluminum. And then of course now we're shooting carbon all the time. So yeah. Well, yeah. That's cool. Pretty cool transition. Yeah, definitely. So now you're with Hex, you're the president of, of Hex. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, maybe we can get into that. Just let everybody know what exactly Hex is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Hex is, uh, you know, it's, it's an acronym. It stands for Human Energy Concealment Systems, and that's exactly what we do. We actually, our technology actually blocks the electrical fields that are coming out of our body. So, um, you know, the, the, through heart rate and muscle movement, every living being actually creates electrical fields and they actually travel out of your body. Medical science has known this for a long, long time. The interesting thing about that is that they are extreme low frequency electromagnetic fields. So, um, it, that was key because back when we were, you know, cause I've always been a, the kind of guy that just, I don't believe in magic. So it's kind of like, well, you know, why is it that animals, when they get in close, every condition could be right. And you're going to watch their body language change in a very short amount of time. They may not throw their head up and run, but that you can tell they know something's there. They just, they just sense it. And, you know, I, my, my grandfather was a big horse guy. They're ranchers, my uncle, my grandfather, and that he was big with horses. And, and, uh, you know, he always used to say, you know, you got to stay calm and keep your heart rate down, you know, because that horse can feel you. He said, he knows what you're thinking, whether you know it or not, he can feel that. And I always kind of just accepted that as fact. And, and uh, you know, just a series of little kind of happenstance events got me, you know, kind of wondering why. And, and uh, originally it was just getting on the internet and kind of, you know, I somehow went down the rabbit hole of, you know, the internal compass and how animals navigate and, and through all that, you know, they they know that they're picking up the, the electromagnetic field of the earth. Well, just so happens that the earth's uh, electromagnetic field is an extreme low frequency, just like what comes out of living beings through heart rate and muscle. Very, very similar. So um, I just put two and two together. It's like, if they can navigate with it, they can probably use it for other things. And lo and behold, guess what they do? So uh, by blocking that, you can really see how much the electromagnetic, you know, atmosphere actually affects just about every animal that we've tested with, actually. Um, some definitely more than others, but yeah. So that's oh. what we're about. So you said the medical science, they've been using this technology for a while now? Well, not hex technology, but, you know, if, if you get an EKG or, you know, that, or just study what's, what kind of electrical fields are, are produced by, you know, every living being, I mean, we're all electric. I mean, that's actually electrical current that runs our muscles. Of course, the heart produces a, a very large amount of, of electricity. And, and so that's, that's really what it's all about. Um, you know, what, what we actually produce as living beings. So, yeah. Huh. So. That's pretty neat. When I look at your pattern, it reminds me of like, uh, you know, when you're looking on like a microwave door, it's got those mm-hmm. little octagon. Is that like 
the same sort of thing? You know how that? Yeah, yeah well, it is. So the, the microwave is a Faraday cage um, and there's all kinds of Faraday cages. That's the one that people see every day. But yeah, if you look at the, at the grid in the microwave oven door, you can see through it, but the, the microwave energy can't escape because the, that grid is smaller than the wave of energy coming out. So what happens is it's just kind of like a net when the, when the electrical energy hits that, it's always going to follow the path of least resistance. Well, when it hits that conductive material, it actually goes, instead of going through the grid, it actually gets caught up in that. And in a microwave, it goes straight to ground and ground out. Um, ours works very similarly. And that, that grid is sized and shaped to block the electric fields of the body. And um, so, but in, the only difference with ours, instead of going straight to ground, ours is actually held in capacitance within the suit and it grounds out every time you touch ground. So it's uh, since it's a low frequency and it's not you know it's not going to build up that quick. We can actually get away with the capacitance. It kind of it feels kind of like a battery, and then whenever you touch ground, it will instantly ground out. Hmm. Pretty basic electronics with that. So how did you get all this technology into a clothing system? Like that was the easiest part. That was the easiest part, honestly. Um, so anytime you want to block an electrical field, the Faraday cage principle is is the most effective way to do it. So. I mean, literally all you have to do is, is uh, I mean, it's easier said than done, but I mean, all we needed to do was, was get a, a conductive grid. It could be, we happen to use conductive carbon, but you could use stainless steel. Matter of fact, our first original was stainless steel. Um, uh, you could use any, you know, copper, uh, uh, you know, uh, silver, any, any kind of a conductive material that you can actually, you know, make into a thread that you can actually, you know, get it in a grid that's totally interlocking. So um, all we needed to do was, was determine the, the size of the grid. The conductivity has to be more than the conductivity around it. So that was fairly simple. Um, and then the hardest part was actually finding a mill that could do it um, because it is a very technical grid. But, uh, but yeah, it's actually our conductive carbon yarn is woven into the fabric in that grid pattern. So basically the fabric is conductive all the way through. And that's, that's the secret of it. But honestly, the, the concept is really easy. I mean, blocking the electrical fields is very well understood. It's just a matter of, you know, what size the grid has to be and what the conductivity needs to be to do what you want to do. So, hmm. so how long were you working on all this? Um, you know, we, I started playing around this in 2005 and we actually launched the company in 2010. So yeah, full five years of, of research behind, you know, just getting everything, you know, so, so we had a grid that would block as much as possible and, and that kind of thing. And then of course, finding something that was going to be usable, you know, as far as comfort, uh, our original, uh, you know, our original fabric was actually have stainless steel as the grid. And as you can imagine, having wire in your clothing, it wasn't real comfortable, but, uh, you know, so yeah, it was just a process. And of course, a lot of, a lot of scientific exploration, you know, in the process as well, but, um, but yeah, we actually, I think we filed for patents in late 2008 and they started actually, uh, we actually got patents issued in 2010. So, um, so that's why we started, uh, that's, that's when we really started moving forward was once all the patents issued, I knew we had something special that we could, you know, that would make a good business. Hmm. That's, uh, that's pretty interesting. So how did you, how did you, like, where do you learn all this stuff? Or you just started, you just messing around with it and just kind of figured it out? 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm kind of a science geek, so I I don't have a degree in science or anything like that, but I've always been interesting, interested in how things work and, you know, especially physics. I mean, I, I'm pretty strong as far as, you know, my understanding of physics. So, um, you know, the biggest thing was finding out or, you know, finally getting the realization that maybe it, it would make a difference to block these fields. That was the kind of the biggest realization, um, you know, in the, in the beginning, I mean, figuring stuff out nowadays, it's not that difficult. I mean, um, Google's changed the world when it comes to that. You can, if you know what to put in, you can find out just about anything on just about anything. So, um, yeah. so yeah, that's, that's how we figured it out. It was just, a like I said, for the biggest thing was finding out, what you know what you wanted to do the how was the easy part the the what the what and why was the hard part hmm. so in 2010 you launched right we we launched hex in 2010 um and uh been going strong ever since and so, i mean on a crazy growth spurt now yeah um so in 2010 like who, who did you first start selling this this the well, clothing to well, of course did i still have, have go ahead yeah, i had i still had winner's choice at that time so, um, you know, that was a dealer-based company. Um, our CEO, Scott Eastman, actually at that time was running PSE. Well, actually at that time, he had just left PSE Archery and he was, uh, you know, he was working for Limbsaver at that time, but he had actually ran PSE Archery for eight years. And um, so both of us had, a, you know, a big array of dealers particularly that we dealt with. The problem was, is when we came out with this, nobody heard about it. I mean, they thought we were the craziest people in the world, people that, that you know, knew us from, from our other, you know, other endeavors. And, and uh, you know, so it was, a, it was a tough sale to start with. Um, the only thing is, is, you know, I've been using it for almost five years. So I knew 100% that we had something special. We just had to get people to, to give it a try. And, you know, now it's a lot easier. And, and actually, science has came a long ways behind us, too actually showing that, uh, that, yeah, the animals actually do pick this up. And there's lots of new scientific research on it. Uh, in 2016, there was a huge study on dogs that, you know, dogs actually see it visually just like birds do. They found the same exact molecule in the eyes of canines. So, which fits with what we've been seeing with canines. I mean, even, even domestic dogs, I mean, there's a major difference. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, a journey, there's no doubt. Yeah, that's what I was kind of wondering is how, you know, introducing this sort of theory of technology into, uh, you know, the whole concept with hunters, it must have been a challenge. It's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you, gotta, you get a pretty thick skin to start with. Everybody <laughs> thinks you're a, you know, a snake. Well, and you were well known. So. Yeah, and you were well known in the industry to begin with, which probably made things a little easier, but I bet it still was not really. I no, thought no. <laughs> we, we thought, we thought it would too, but it really didn't. I mean, people that we knew, you know, for, for years, I mean, just, I mean, they just thought we, the sky and I went off our, we, we went off the <laughs> oh, that's funny. So what type of clothing did, did you have when you first, when you first launched, did you have like a full outfit? Yeah, so the, our mesh suit, which we still have to this day, it's an improved version, of course, but yeah, our mesh suit, super lightweight, just basically houses the technology and you can wear it under or over. That was our first original. And then, of course, now we've, we've launched into some other things, but but that our old, that original mesh suit was really the one that, that uh, you know, put us on the map as far as, you know, proof and and uh you know getting people to see the difference and all that kind of things so and we still offer that to this day like i said much improved version but 
uh, yeah, it's just a real, real basic, simple way to, you know, block the field. And that's what we were focused. So. Yeah. I've never, uh, I've never tried it, but, uh, I got my base layer suit in the mail last week. So I'm dying mm-hmm. to get out and try it. So, yeah. Well, if you're going to go turkey hunting that, that's a great test because I mean, it's over the top with turkeys. It really, really is. I mean, you'll be able yeah. to get away with movement and, uh, you know, like you've never done before. Now, I don't know if you've got gloves or not, but with turkeys, particularly gloves are pretty important because they literally see it visually. So you need to cover as much as you can, oh, but, yeah. uh, that's the only thing is, is, you know, certainly turkey hunters are going to see better results if they're using gloves, but, and of course you got to wear the head cover as well and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I bought that, that base layer, um, package that you guys mm-hmm. offer. I don't know if there's gloves in there, so I might have to go there, back online here. Yeah. There won't be gloves, but we just got gloves in stock last week. So we're fully stocked on gloves now too. So oh, perfect. I'll pick a set up. It'll make, it'll make difference. If you're sitting out in the open with a, an orange vest on and you know, those birds can see so well, <laughs> I, I would never even have thought that would work. That's crazy. Yeah. They see electrical fields really well. Um, and I'm not saying that the turkeys have great eyesight, but the electrical side of that, once you understand that, it's, it's honestly a bigger deal than certainly a bigger deal than any camouflage pattern or anything like that. You know, you still want to be, you know, I always like to still break up my outline. So I like to be setting with back cover, like a big tree or a big bush or something behind you just to kind of, just to kind of break, break up that outline. Although we have done it sitting out with no cover at all, uh, but you're just more successful if you, if you have some back cover, but as far as between you and the bird, you don't need anything. You'll be able to drive over time or raise your gun or whatever you're hunting with. So. Yeah. So this electrical field that birds and or animals see, do, do some of them see it differently or do they all sort of see it the same way? Or well, it like, well, yeah, birds are very well understood because they, they've been studying how birds navigate for a long time. And this, this visual electrical field theory has been around. It's actually pretty well proven now. Um, you know, as far as big game goes, um, you know, the, as far as science goes, they say it's one of two things. There's either, either electrically conducted molecules in the eye, which is what cryptochrome is. Cryptochrome is what they found in birds and now canines. Um, or it's the uh, electrically conducted element magnetite, which all mammals have. Um, interestingly enough, the more migratory the animal is, the more magnetite they naturally have. So like up north caribou and those kind of animals have more than like a white-tailed deer does, although both of them have a significant amount. So um, that's the theory that most uh, scientists feel is the right one as far as how mammals pick it up. But I can tell you that by blocking it all these years, there's, there's no doubt they pick it up because when you block it, you'll see a difference. So you're not invisible and you still got to keep the wind right and be quiet and all that kind of thing. But uh, just the demeanor of the animal when they get close. Um, one of the cool things with big game, um, you know, we have a lot of mule deer here. And, uh, you know, one of the things you'll notice with particularly mule deer and elk, when they do pick you out, if you just sit still, it's usually inside of 30 seconds and they'll give you up completely and you can keep on stalking in. And, and uh, on our YouTube page, there's all kinds of, you know, uh, encounters with just about every animal you can imagine, you know, and uh, so you'll be able to really see the difference on the, on the video. But, you know, that's the same thing that our customers see all the time too. Yeah. So how does this technology work with like sea creatures? So we have a wetsuit line. Um, Hex Aquatic has been out for a while. Um, actually, if you've watched Shark Week on Discovery, you've seen our logo for sure on a lot of top scientists. So, I mean, 
you know, seawater is very conductive and, and, you know, it's pretty well known with uh, sharks and rays, actually, they have a, a very well understood organ called the ampullae of Lorenzini. And it's actually a, it's a electrical, it actually picks that up. That organ is specific for that, for that purpose. But, um, you know, I mean, I'm not a big diver, but the divers that use it, I mean, they say all kinds of fish that they can get closer to. The other interesting thing is lobsters, when, when hex came out, lobsters did not have electroreception according to science, but guys were wearing the hex outfit, you know, the hex wetsuit and the lobster divers were going down instead of trying to, you know, sneak up on them and grab them real fast. They were just picking them up and the lobsters weren't even trying to get away. So guess what? Now science hundred percent says, yeah, they have electroreception as well. So it's, uh, it's kind of cool. Like I said, our, our product was, uh, was involved in some of those discoveries. Yeah, no, man, that's totally cool. Like just the whole, yeah, the, everything about it. I mean, and everything about it makes sense too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, yeah, like once. Yeah, yeah, once you understand the concept, it makes perfect sense. And, yeah. and you know, the cool thing is once you once you use it. I mean, like I said, we hardly ever get anybody that that has a a negative thing to say if they if they have realistic expectations. I mean, you're not invisible. You can't you know stand up and do Joe and Jacks in front of a turkey and he's going to see. But I mean, as far as reasonable expectation, drawing a bow, raising a gun, you know, move you know slow movement stuff that would get you busted every time is, is completely possible. And, and, uh, you know, another one, uh, you know, you guys have a lot of bears up there. Bears are mm-hmm. super sensitive as well. We've seen some, some over the top stuff with bears as well at really close range. So, yeah, um, well, that's why I'm, I'm really, really excited to try it for spring bear. Cause I, I mm-hmm. still hunt spring bear archery like with my bow. So and mm-hmm. I have to get pretty close and they bust me a lot of the time when you walk in uh, and I'll just, brush up on some gravel or you know what i mean you're hitting that grass and you make just a little bit noise and then they turn they're a little bit unsure don't move for you know a few minutes but i mean the wind you know the wind could be right at your face still though they'll Mm -hmm. just they just take off and they run the other way and you're like man what like i had the wind i had everything i don't think you see me that well but yeah with this stuff i'm i'm super excited it'll definitely help i mean like i said i mean they can still hear and smell and all that kind of thing Mm. but the thing is is when you take away the electrical field that's what we're finding is that's one of the last things that i mean when they when they sense the electrical field immediately then they know they got to pay attention because they know that they're around you know something's uh, other big living being um, so taking that away is a big advantage. It really is. So what kind of distance do these animals, like what, how far away or how close do you have to be for them to start sensing this electrical field? Well, it depends on the animal and it also depends a little bit on your personal electrical field. Everybody's right. different. So, you know, at the trade shows, we actually measure with a meter. We can measure everybody's electrical field. It's crazy how much difference there is. But for me personally, um, with whitetail, uh, mule deer, well, mule deer, I, I've seen the difference further away. But um, for the most part, it's about 40, 50 yards, something like that for most species. Oh, wow. Um, you know, it's, it's further than you think. Um, and then, uh, you know, of course, the closer it is, the more prevalent it is as well. Um, mule deer, I've, I've had luck with mule deer, honestly. I mean, we've stalked mule deer right out in wide open fields and Again, some of the YouTube videos are pretty telling on that. If you, when they notice you, if you just stop and hold still, they give up quick. And I mean, gosh, we've stopped right in on them, you know, right out across wide open many, many times. So, uh, so like I said, it's it's one of those things that just kind of varies on the animal and the situation and, and that kind of thing as far as how far it's going to be effective. But um, if, if you're a bow hunter, in particular, any kind, anybody who's, you know, has to get close, 
it's definitely an advantage, but, you know, even guys that are, they're gun hunters. I mean, you're, you're also going to be spooking the stuff that's close to you a lot less. So even though you can shoot something at, you know, three or 400 yards or whatever, I mean, if you're spooking stuff right around you, sometimes you don't get that, you get that chance, you know, so it uh, just kind of keeps everything a lot calmer uh, as far as the whole environment. Um, you know, and that's why our, we have a hex wildlife line that's all about, you know, more for like bird watchers, photographers, just animal oh, yeah. enthusiasts, people who want to leave us a, a, a smaller footprint when they're in the, in the right. wild. Right. And, so they're using this stuff as well. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 yeah hex wildlife is actually the fastest growing part of our company right now. It's, it's oh, no shit, taken eh? off very, very well. Yeah. We've got veterinarians that use it. Um, zoo people, uh, just because it's like I said, it's animals can pick up that that those electrical fields. And like particularly if you're if you're agitated or afraid, I mean your heart rate's going up, so you, your electrical emission's going to go up right with it. And it's just uh, it just keeps animals a lot more calm, and you know it's just a more of a more of a neutral environment. You know when you're working with animals, so yeah, it's a sorry right. guys hunting, but it's become a lot more than that. Yeah, so you. Um... The faster your heart's beating, are, are you giving off more of an electrical like mm-hmm. continuity yeah. that way when your heart's yeah. so if you're yeah yeah hundred percent when your heart rate goes up for whatever reason whether you're you know exerting yourself or you know you're just excited or whatever um, that that's a corresponding um, you know electrical field that's, that gets stronger as as that happens so the heart's a really small muscle that puts out a whole lot of electricity. So it's the, that's what makes it unique in the body, but all muscles will, will put out that. So the larger the muscle, the more electricity it takes to move it. And so the more uh, electricity it puts out. So that's why it's important to cover the whole body um, torso being the mm-hmm. most important, but all the big muscle groups, uh, it's important to have it all, all covered. So you're blocking that field. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Are you guys can't uh, like, are you guys constantly advancing this technology? Or you just keep working at it. Yeah, all the time. I mean, we're developing new fabrics and new, you know, uh, to kind of take advantages of different niches. Um, you know, we developed a new fabric for the wildlife line that's going to be used for outerwear. Um, and actually that stuff is actually being made now. So we're going to have an, a full outerwear line in wildlife, a revised one. We had one that was kind of a prototype line and we learned a lot from that. But uh, the final version is actually, we should have it around the 1st of May. It should be online for the wildlife side. And of course, we're also developing new fabrics for the hunting side too, um, you know, for, for some new products that are coming out there. So yeah, we never stop. I mean, it's, it's always a process, you know. If you, if you stop, you get behind, so you just keep moving forward, you know. Yeah, I was surprised how fast mine showed up. I couldn't believe it. It showed up in less than a week. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, the cool thing with Canada, we actually invested pretty heavily. We now have a, a Canadian warehouse that actually has uh, all the Hex products in it now. So instead of shipping it from the U.S. at a crazy cost, now our stuff can come out of the, the Canadian warehouse. And we just got that launched. I'm not sure if yours made it out of there or not, but right now we've got them fully stocked up there. So pretty much everything will come out of that warehouse. To, oh, to, oh, well, it must you know, have. Where's Canada. the, where, which part of Canada is the warehouse in? It's in Southern Ontario and I oh, yeah. don't know exactly the name of the, the name of the town's a strange name and I can never remember it, but yeah, but it's in Southern Ontario. Um, so everything for Canada ships out of there. So you get it a lot, a lot faster. Also, you know, it saves you a lot, you know, but anytime we have to ship from the U S up there, it's crazy money for you guys. Yeah. Well, that was two things I noticed that it got here in about four days mm-hmm. and I didn't have to pay any duty on it. 
which is yeah, nice. Yeah, so that, nobody that's waiting at the door is. with uh, yeah, they weren't sitting there waiting at a door with their hand out looking for money. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and that's right. something that that you know we we of course we we're on Wild TV a lot uh, up mm-hmm. there, so we have a we have a pretty big customer base up in Canada, and you know we just we just did this so we could serve that market a lot better, and you know I think it's uh, I think everybody's going to enjoy it a lot a lot more. It makes it much easier to get, and, and the other thing, yeah, they're not sitting there waiting for you to write them. Jack or give me some cash out every time you blow it. Yeah, no, I'm excited to try it out. Is there a best setup for you know for hunters to wear for this hex clothing? Um, not really a best one. There's a couple of options. Um, you know, I said our mesh suit, the original mesh suit, is still a great option. It's super lightweight, um, super breathable, um, and you can wear it under or over. So it's not something that you have to wear on the outside to, to make a difference. So a lot of people wear that suit underneath you know, there are other, other camo clothing. Um, you can wear it by itself. If it happens to be super hot, we get a lot of that, especially in antelope uh, down here, but, um, but you can wear it that way. And then we also have our base layer, which is a really high end, uh, base layer akin to a Sitka or a, or a, uh, you know, an Under Armour type base layer. Um, it's more of a form fitting one, a little tighter to the body. Um, and it's basically made to be worn underneath. Now we did launch that in a camo version because that shirt's really nice to wear as an outer layer um, as well. So that gives people an option, you know, with that as well. So, but yeah, those are our two basic options right now. Um, and either one of them work equally well. I mean, as far as, uh, as far as how it works, there's not one that's better than the other. Than the other. It's more about, you know, do you want something that's, you know, lightweight and, 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 you know, not going to really add to your, you know, to your insulative needs, or like I said, the base layer is a really good base layer and it has hex in it too. So it does everything. Yeah. It's nice and warm too. I was surprised. I put, I've tried it on already and I couldn't believe how, how warm it was. Yeah. It's, it's warmer than you think. And part of that is that grid, because this is something that, you know, talk about learning as we go along. Um, we actually didn't realize this to start with, but um, when, when the, the electrical energy starts to build within the suit and actually one of the byproducts is heat. So it's a lot warmer than you would think for its weight, um, particularly in the base layer. Uh, the, the mesh suit is because it, it's so breathable that you don't notice it quite as much. And then also people that have the, you know, the more, um, uh, the higher your natural electrical output, the fat, the warmer it'll be on you too, because it's just that, 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 uh, that stored oh, energy yeah. is building quicker. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Cool. I see, uh, you guys got John Dudley working with you now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've known John forever. I actually met John back when I was shooting professionally and I shot a lot of tournaments together and, um, he actually was in the winner's choice days. He was our um, overseas uh, rep. So he was like our, our main oh, yeah. guy for any overseas, any overseas clients. And so I've known John, worked with John. John actually had one of the very first hex, wets, or, uh, hex uh, mesh suits uh, back when they were still white. So before we even launched, he probably had one in 2008 or 2009. So, um, so yeah, it's, he's been around it for um, just about as long as anybody has. And of course, contractually, he couldn't talk about it for years and years. Oh yeah. Under Armour. yeah I get but, you. uh, but now, uh, now he can freely talk about it. And, and yeah, we, we, I love working with John. He's, he's a class act and one of, like I said, you know, a good buddy of mine too. So it's, it's, uh, it's neat to see him involved. Yeah, no, that's cool, man, for sure. But, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add about uh, about the Hex brand that maybe uh, I forgot to ask you about or, or we missed? 
Well, I mean, you know, people can learn about it at hexllc.com. It's H is in Harry, E like an echo, C like cat, S like Sam, then llc.com. Um, and you can uh, go on there. You can choose which entity you want to look at, look at it. You'll actually see the Hex Hunting Line, Hex Wildlife, Hex uh, uh, Aquatic, and also Hex Tactical, which is something that, um, you know, we do do some stuff with the military. So, uh, you know, we've got oh, yeah. some special forces guys that use Hex uh, specifically because they can get around dogs without them loading as quickly. Oh, and they also, and yeah. They've also done some wetsuits as well. So um, we only sell to the military through tactical. We don't have a consumer line there yet, but, um, but yeah, cool. so you'll see that, but you can go online. You can learn, you know, if you want to learn about the science, it's there. Um, there's lots of videos. Again, uh, the Hex YouTube channel has a ton of videos on it. Um, so you can really kind of learn how it works and why it works and, and all that. And of course, obviously you can order right there. We are a consumer direct company now. So, um, you know, the best thing to do is just go online, uh, order it. We have a fit guarantee. So if you get it and it, you know, doesn't fit, you know, we exchange everything for your charge and, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, for us Canadians, it's, it's just super easy. Yeah, yeah no, it, it is. And, and like I said, it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, really what we're about at first but once you understand what we do and, and how it works um you know you really will see a difference again it's not uh you know so you're not invisible but it definitely makes a huge difference specifically when things get in close and you know and, and you know that's that's when everything gets exciting for a bow hunter anyways when things get in close that you get away with a little more movement certainly keeps animals less uh you know, are more calm and that just makes for better shots and better opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. No, man, I can't wait to try this stuff out. Uh, yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be good. I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to notice it right away. I, I think, especially with, uh, with my spring bear hunts, it's going to be fun. Cool. You'll, you'll like it. Like I said, it's uh, one of those advantages that, you know, you may not see an, you know, a big benefit every time, but it won't be very long and you're going to have one of those moments like, wow, you know, the squirrels aren't barking at me anymore. That's weird. Or, you know, I oh, yeah. actually have a bird land on you or something. I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many birds I've had land on me since I've been wearing hacks. Yeah. It's one of those things you hear all the time from people too. So. Yeah. And see, I never even thought about, I mean, how many times do you sit on there and you get busted by a squirrel, right? I mean, I mm -hmm. never even thought yeah. about that. Yeah. I haven't talked to you now today. Yeah. It definitely makes sense. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a great advantage. Um, it's like anything else. It's just a tool. And, you know, certain tools work better in certain, for certain jobs, but, uh, yeah, it's, you're, you're going to love it when you try it. And, yeah. You know, it's the thing everybody else will too. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a neat technology. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's like you said, it's not a one all end all. I mean, you're still, you know, you still got to worry about a few things mm -hmm. and a few elements, but, uh, it, uh, it'll definitely give you that advantage for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what it's all about getting, uh, getting quality shots and having a, a better time out there in the woods. So, I mean, it's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, Mike, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun chatting with you today. Um, good luck on your bear hunt and let me know how it turns out for you. I hope, uh, hope you have a lot of success up there. Yeah, no, I, it, I'm really looking forward to it. It's one of those bucket listers. So I try to do a bucket lister every year too. And this was, uh, this was a biggie. So, uh, uh, yeah, no, we'll definitely uh, keep everybody posted and hopefully, uh, we have some, some, uh, fun things to show everybody on hunting with X. Yeah. Cool. Okay, man. I'm going to let you go. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks. Uh -huh. okay. Bye. You believe that? <laughs>
Wow. I guess it's all worth it. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep-sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.